The Browns are now on the clock. Oh, am I the Browns? According to this sheet, I am the Browns. I feel I'm really embodying the Cleveland Browns here, but I mean, like, what, I'm the Cleveland Browns? Uh, oh, Cleveland Browns missed the first overall pick <laughs> because they forget to get the pick oh in my on God, time. That would be amazing. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at all the news from around the league, contract extension signings, people getting in trouble, and this is going to be our big mock draft one where we're going to look through all of our selections for how we think the first round are going to go, slag the shite out of each other, and just see how wrong we can all be. <laughs> so, how are we getting on, lads? Connor here, we've got Harry. Hey, how are you? And we got Fitz. Hello. So, lads, what's the crack? How are you all getting on? Ah, not too much. Busy, busy. Still uh, settling into the new role at work now. It's still been less than a month. Just coming up on the end of the fourth week. Ah, very good. Now, so yeah, uh, I've got the got new staff in and everything to take responsibility for them. It's weird. <laughs> More meat for the grinder. Oh god, yeah, probably. It's it's been a, it's been a long week. Uh, mm. So I've got tomorrow off, which I'm very very happy about. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> So we might, uh, might have a beer or two after this, it'll be good. Or maybe one or two during. Uh, oh, well, oh no, this kind of delicious Dutch gold has just appeared on Ooh, my... Uh, Praha Premium Pills Authentic Czech Imports. Authentically Czech. Well, this is this is <laughs> allegedly Dutch, so I think you went on that one. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Premium Import and I've got Authentic Czech. Oh, that is a combination. Yeah, has, has yours given itself three fake gold medals? No, mine's given it four. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? It's how's all down in Cork? Jesus, yeah, it was good crack, good fun altogether. But we were, fine spread, fine spread. Fine spread, many good songs. I think we were finishing up around half six in the morning drinking gin on a balcony, so always good fun. You spent your weekend off partying, I spent my weekend doing politics, and I think you guys won. Although I'm now the deputy chair of policy council of the Green Party, so there you go. Very good. I'm important. That definitely has words that sound important. I had to win an election. Oh, very yeah, good. Yeah. How, how, how did you defeat your enemy? Did you find out scandalous things about their sex lives? No, he's just he's just been around forever. And I'm a young, fresh, dynamic voice. So stepping into a more official party functionary role, I'm a Mandarin now. Excellent. A little orange. Yeah, as a, a bad guy from, uh, from comic books. Silver Age was terribly racist <laughs> altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 still kind of settling back into my own uh, post post Africa, which was great crack. We had uh, like beheadings of chickens in front of us so that we could have very fresh chicken to eat and stuff. Well, it was I'm, great. Just, I'm just glad you said chicken. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have gone a lot worse. The best part was um, when we were coming down from the mountains. Uh, they have a big feast day for Easter Sunday. So uh, it was like a five and a half hour down rocky side of mountains and the guy who was driving the car said, oh, do you mind if we just stop for a second while we're up the top of the mountain? And we were like, yeah, no worries. So he hopped out and there was a couple of shepherds up there. And had a, we chat with them, some money exchange hands. So then they just tied up the legs of two live goats and strapped them to the roof of the thing and just drove off down the mountain. The only way we knew they were still alive, you'd occasionally hear banging whenever they decided to fight. Or you'd also, every like hour or so, you'd just see a bit of piss going down the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> Great fun altogether. But that's enough about our lives, I suppose. Time to look at the lives of people who are millions and millions of dollars for quite often playing very mediocre football. On to the news for this week. Uh, biggest story since we talked to you last. Uh, Tony Rome was retired from the league after 15 years with the Cowboys. Uh, he's going to become a commentator with CBS, replacing Phil Sims. Thank God. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think have that. Obviously, we discussed in our last one, winners and losers of the offseason. We still had Tony Romo up in the air at that point. Uh, he's now gone. So, like, this leads the Texans 
completely fucked anyway, uh, if nothing else. Uh, what do we reckon? I know, I think the general consensus is he's in the Hall of Very Good, not the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is like you say, he's a guy who was almost there. And if he'd ever managed to guide the Cowboys to a Super Bowl, I think he would be talking about a potential Hall of Fame candidate. But he's one of those guys who, despite um, the level he played at, never got a ring. And also, was unfairly, I think, branded as, as a choker as a guy who couldn't perform in big spots and kind of had that reputation follow him around. I, I don't know if we'll look, I don't know if we'll ever see him in the Hall of Fame discussion, I don't know if we'll ever see him come up for voting, but uh, he was certainly a, a very, very good player who I think towards the back end of the career when he was injured and when the team was playing without him, people started to realise actually how good he was mm. by, by dint of his absence when they were wheeling out the likes of Brandon Whedon and so on. But for him, you know, it made sense. He's coming off a lot of injuries, he's had a long career, he's performed at a very, very high level despite never winning the big game. And it's like, look, you can take an unknown step into a team that you might want to go to a contender, but these are all still, you know, your Texans, your Broncos, they have pieces, but they're still kind of in limbo in a lot of ways. Yeah. Or you can take your health, you can take a lot of money, and you can step into a comfortable job in the booth. And uh, it, it, it's a decision that makes sense for him. And, you know, best of luck. I'm looking forward to genuinely not Phil Sims. Yeah. Um, and by all accounts, he is an eloquent and intelligent dude who will mm. settle right into the, to the media role. And, you know, maybe five, ten years, he can become general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. Could definitely do that. <laughs> definitely could. Although I think he probably has a little bit too much experience. <laughs> uh, it does seem like this is probably the best option for for him like obviously I think we'd all like to see him play a little bit more because there's not enough good quarterbacks in the league mm. saying that how do you think this leaves some of the teams who are the hunt for him I think it leaves them in a, in a whole lot of trouble I think Denver are probably okay I think they'd kind of fairly early in the process when it, when it was obvious that the Cowboys were a bit reticent that he wasn't going to take a major pay cut that he was probably still wanting a bit of, bit, bit of money and wasn't just looking for the ring I think Denver kind of checked out a bit and it was all really about the Houston Texans who've obviously been in kind of quarterback purgatory basically since they've ever started. For the Texans it's a major blow because obviously that's a team which has all the pieces in place to be a contender and really, really wants a quarterback and now it's stuck near the bottom of the draft with a lot of quarterbacks who there's a major question marks over. They're probably going to have to reach. They're going to have to do what Denver has already done last year and reach for a prospect towards the back end and it's quite possible they'll have to trade up to do so. For the Texans, I think this is a major setback. I think it would have been something that energised the fans, quickly washed away the memory of Brock Osweiler. But now there's going to be a lot of question marks over there. And I think that like puts the heat on the coaching and the front office there to really show that this team can move forward whether they have to continue using effectively a backup in Tom Savage or whether they can find a prospect in the draft this year who can take to the next level and be a Super Bowl contender because there is no reason with the rest of the team that they have there that they shouldn't be in that hunt. Yeah, no, of course. And then, so from one person who had a long, illustrious career to one whose career was uh, was cut short due to legal issues, Aaron Hernandez has hung himself in prison. He had just won an appeal against two more murder convictions that were against him. and had an appeal uh, underway against the Odin Lloyd uh, murder for which he was convicted. Was he kind of uh, hung himself in his cell, left some notes behind, and leaves behind a fiance and a daughter? Obviously, this is a very tragic thing to see happen. A bit of a surprise uh, kind of endpoint here to what was quite a dark mark on the NFL for a while. So, I suppose Harry, he was he was on your team, so I'll come to yourself first. What are your thoughts on this? I look, I mean, it, it's an ugly end to an ugly story. Just one horrendous thing after another. Uh, ever since he was arrested, um, finding out more and more of what he'd done and his lifestyle. 
And uh, yeah, it, it, the timing did seem a little strange, but I suppose with somebody like that, you never know what's going on in their head. This is a guy who, even if he had won his appeal, was ruined, had yeah. seemed to have no friends left, no connections. and All his money was gone as well. Mo- yeah. It was, uh, it was uh, two players who were in the league right now who played with him in college who were funding his uh, his legal appeal. Um, the two brothers. The Pounceys, yeah. The Pounceys, yeah. Who, yeah. Not the most savoury characters in the world themselves. No. At this point, they're really, I don't think there's much to say other than you, you feel bad for his fiancée, you feel bad for his daughter. Mm that everything unraveled in this way and you know it, it, it's a really just an ugly story and I think we're all although the end is ugly I think we'll, we're glad to see the end of this in a way yeah. that this is over now and hopefully you know those involved are going to be able to find some kind of closure and, and, and move on from uh, a man who just you know destroyed himself and destroyed people around him yeah no, of course. There's um there's a story during the rounds at the moment that there is a there is a potential other layer to why this happened at this point. In certain states in, the, in in America, if you have an acquittal process uh, or a, a an appeals process underway, you aren't considered to be convicted or you're not considered to be guilty. Your conviction is not complete yet, and there might be offset language in his contract that would then mean that some money will go to his wife and child, which might be a positive that could come out of the back end of this. Also, significantly, it does. Uh, impact potential civil suits against the estate because if a civil suit is taken and you have a criminal conviction it's essentially a slam dunk yeah. whereas if you technically don't have a criminal conviction it's it's a more difficult uh, win for the uh, for the party claiming money in a civil suit but I, I think at that stage you know this is all getting into the very yeah it's a very, very, dodgy ground very, but it, I didn't know any of that about the uh, yeah, so I, I, did, process I, in states, I didn't either. And it's, it's apparently it's only it's only a very small number of states still have it. It's an old thing that's on the books in some of them. But um, moving on to to uh, the Steelers, uh, their chairman Dan Rooney died at eighty four, uh, leaving a massive legacy of success in Pittsburgh. He was there for all six of their six of their wins. Considered just a huge entity within the sport, a uh, huge entity within America. Uh, he was he was Irish ambassador. Uh, he visited every single county in Ireland when he was Irish Even ambassador. Longford. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I don't know. I, I don't even know where Carlo is. <laughs> uh, well done, Dan. Obviously, from from all accounts, just just a lovely person, great to deal with, player friendly, very approachable, very good. Obviously, he has the Rooney Rule as part of his, his legacy as well as other things. Something I've seen pass uh, when it, when it was found out that he died. Apparently, every news station in Pittsburgh or every TV station in Pittsburgh cut from their live broadcast to announce that this had happened, which is shows just how much love there was in that city for the man. So, I suppose, uh, Fitz, what's your thoughts on uh, on Dan Rooney? Uh, just just there died at eighty four. You know, obviously at eighty four, he lived a long life and he lived a successful life, and he brought a lot of like a lot of joy to the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, at the cost of the city of Cleveland and other cities for many years. <laughs> but like, I, I think it's hard not to look over what's happened in the league over the last two seasons, in particular the relocations uh, that have occurred, the, this flurry of relocations, and not think that the NFL is undergoing another paradigm shift uh, in what it means to be an owner. Like, Obviously, this is a sport uh, which, you know, up to like the, the, like the 60s or so or the 70s, wasn't really that big of a deal and Rooney was one of those owner one of those generational owners who was from that and he treated it like that he believed that it was more than just a business that this was something that almost had a, a like a, a mystical attachment uh, to to the particular city that it wasn't just a franchise it was a, almost a, a utility or, or a, an embodiment of that city's spirit and obviously in the case of a team called the Steelers in a city like Pittsburgh, that's the, all the more obvious. And it's very obvious that his type of ownership is the type of ownership which is really becoming less and less common. Uh, and I think that's a shame. And I think when you're looking at these kind of elder statements, you wonder 
what will the NFL be like 20 years from now when it's full of people like Stan Kroenke instead of people like Dan Rooney and whether we're going to see continued changes in the way the NFL is run and the way these teams operate that's going to fur- further alienate it away from its kind of roots working class communities like Pittsburgh and being an embodiment of those and as it moves further and further away and becomes further and further commercialised and obviously it's already happened to such a large extent you might say it's irrelevant but I think you know those last vestiges as they get away they probably mean more and more as they become more and more rare and I think the passing of Dan Rooney can't help but make you reflect on what that means for the future of the NFL as a whole yeah no of course kind of a, a moving of an era speaking of, of eras moving on one that's not is Marshawn Lynch he is looking to return to the league and to come back to the uh, to the Raiders. All indications this is something that's going to happen. The Raiders seem to have come to an agreement with the Seahawks about how they would arrange it. They've allowed them to start having contract negotiations. Uh, at the moment, there is a divide happening within these contract negotiations. He would have been due nine million this year. The reports are saying that he does not want to come back and play for less than half of that amount. The Raiders are looking at a number closer to or below three million, which is where the sticking point is at the moment. There will be some type of compensation going to. Uh, uh, to the Seahawks for this, but the note that's been put on it is that this has to happen before draft day. So I'm going to put going to put put it all on the table now, lads, and say this is a story that's going to be completed by the time we get this podcast edited. Kevin Costner, yeah. actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs second round picks. No. Marshawn Lynch, he's on retiring. I think, like as a Seattle fan, there's mixed feelings over it. But I think you know the one exception you would make is for Oakland, particularly because they are losing their team in a few years. And having uh, like basically someone from the area who identifies and is so strongly associated with Oakland would be a major boon to the city. Uh, I think, yeah, like I think the contract situation is the biggest thing because I think Marshawn Lynch, he's no fool. He isn't someone who has traditionally gone, I will take less money or I will do like massive favors to these multi-billion dollar industries, like just to for basically for the sake of sentiment alone. Last week, I would have been incredibly confident that this would have been true. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be a Seattle-Oakland thing because I think they're both from the Green Bay uh, GM tree and both have basically said we'll probably swap, like, you know, a conditional sixth or seven, maybe a fifth at most. So, uh, like, if, if there's any issue here that will stop it going through, it's Marshawn Lynch. Uh, but we'll know by Thursday either way, I, I will imagine. Yeah, no, of course. The other news coming out of Seattle was that there was discussions about a Richard Sherman trade and they're being open to offers. That's basically been wiped off the table now, saying that they're past it. Sherman's now turned up to OTAs after a brief holdout. So a story that was a story is no longer a story, really. Uh, so in terms of players who got contract extensions, Carolina signed Kyron Short to a five-year 80.5 million contract, but there's only 35 million guaranteed on it, so there's going to be a lot of playing incentives. And Atlanta signed Desmond Trufant's Extension five years, 62 million, 42 million guaranteed. A lot more guaranteed money, a lot harder to get out of. Uh, New England signed James White for three years, and the Darius Webb is extended three years with a max value of 10.5 million. Uh, who jumps out to you out of these, or do any of them jump out at you particularly? Uh, I think K1 Short, like, I think it's similar to the money we saw going to, to Chandler Jones and JPP last week. He's someone who can get to the quarterback uh, from the defensive tackle position that's even more valued. And I think Carolina have you know after what happened last year with Josh Norman it would have probably been uh, quite controversial for them to like have this uncertainty hanging over another one of their defensive stars particularly after a season which perhaps uh, it's a, you're not quite as bulletproof uh, as a front office and a coaching staff so I think generally that Mog Holly approach is integral to the entire 
philosophy of that team or their public philosophy anyway so I think you know he was going to get paid he got paid a lot of money and this is the market value for those kind of defensive tackles who can do it all and can get to the quarterback yeah no of course uh, fresh signings came as well uh, New Orleans have signed a two year deal with Adrian Peterson 7 million with 3.5 guaranteed he's uh, slated to be the, the, the second running back there Indianapolis signed uh, Hankins 3 years 30 million yeah Washington signed Zach Brown 1 year 4.6 million uh, the Rams signed uh, Roby Coleman and Seattle signed Dion Jordan and Cyril Grayson uh, you, you just made Cyril Grayson up I've never heard of Cyril Grayson no I'm pretty uh, certain he doesn't exist. He's interesting because he came out of college. Is he? Is he a? Is he? Is he like a basketball player or a baseball player <laughs> that you convert to guard? He's a track star. Who you're going to play at guard? guard. <laughs> <laughs> they have for wide receiver. What's interesting is he didn't go through the draft process and was basically exempt from that. So it's interesting if other teams start trying to bring people directly from sports rather than having to put them through the draft process in the cases where they're exempt due to special circumstances. I still reckon that it's probably just like T.O. with a moustache or something, just trying to sneak <laughs> back into the league. Adrian Peterson is probably the yeah. biggest name signing here. Um, as I said, he's slated to be the to be the second running back. Uh, we'll see. He, he will almost certainly be pressuring to, to try and get himself a larger role in that. What do we feel? I think this is a strange fit. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a weird one. It's like the Saints are like, well... Could be Drew Brees last season. We need to build on the defense. We need to give a team, you know, that can win. But what if it's also Adrian Peterson's last season? It comes out of nowhere. I don't understand the logic behind, like, here's a big-name guy. Let's see what he can do. Um, we throw for 5,000 yards every season. Do you know what we need? We need a running back who needs to be fed 30 yeah. times a game to be effective. Yeah, who can't pass protect catch the ball. Yeah, like... like- I just it's don't weird. get this at all. It's weird, and um, he's not really even a short down back, so not even yeah. for the kind of like the the third and two kind of thing. That's not really even his thing. He was averaging less than that last season while he was playing. It's a strange move that seems to be, I think, driven by the Saints constantly being in win now mode, while at the same time constantly just not thinking defense or special teams are a thing. Yeah, like that's the only only thing I can chalk it up to. I mean, look, if you want a a backup running back and you've got Adrian Peterson, that's pretty good. Yeah, and at three and a half million, it's a pretty decent. It's, it's, a, it's a decent deal. It makes sense in that perspective, but I just don't know about the fit. And I agree with you. I think it, it feels like a again an attempt to be like our window is closing, our window is closing, but it doesn't really address the problems they've got. It's it's, it's a strange move overall. Yeah, I don't really get it. Uh, does anyone else jump out for you there, Fitz? Uh, I think Zach Brown. It's an interesting one. I think he fired his agent. Uh, a fair bit into the free agency process that probably tells you uh, how unhappy he was with the process obviously he had a good season last season and probably was disappointed to be out in the, in the field that long in the year he's got another prove it deal we'll see if he can kind of live up to the expectations he has in what is a fairly weak linebacking group in Washington so he should have plenty of opportunity to show his value and show that he wasn't just a one year wonder yeah no of course uh, in terms of trades Philly have traded the 75th pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Timmy Jernigan, the 99th pick. Uh, I couldn't give less of a shit about this. Timmy yeah. Jernigan's an okay player. Uh, it's fine. A, uh, it's yeah, fine. I'd like, like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I suppose I just don't know enough about the value of the 75th pick. Uh, we've, had, we've had enough problems trying to get our, our first round correct, uh, and it is not correct for we're, any we're of us. We're literally editing it five minutes before we started <laughs> because, well... We, we realised some of us had players on the list twice going to two separate teams. And that we were like, oh, this guy's just been arrested, okay. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, restricted free agent offer sheets. Uh, there's two that really happen here. New England, uh, tier, 6.4 million tender. Mike Gillisley, uh, Buffalo had a fifth round tender on him, and they've now pinched him off. And this is going to have a very classic 
seeing a bit of value in a player, getting him for a good price, and taking him off a divisional foe, which is a positive one. Malcolm Butler also signs his first round tender for New England, and San Francisco offer a one-year 2.3 to Gary Gillum. Uh, Seattle had an original... What's an original round tender? It's, it's, just, it's, it's the one which he was drafted, yeah? Yeah, yeah but he's drafted free agent, so they don't get any compensatory payments. <laughs> Fair enough. Genius. What's, if he's an undrafted free agent, why do you put an original round tender on I don't him? don't want to pay him. If you put a first or second round tenders, which are the only ones you can do except for original round, you're talking about doubling the amount of money paid to him. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. It's a good explanation. And I'm only asking for the benefit of the listeners, definitely not for my own benefit. <laughs> um, releases, only major one, Kansas City released Jay Howard. This is a, this is a cost move rather than anything else. Uh, they're only on the hook for $2.2 million or something by releasing him now. And there's offset language in the contract. So when he gets picked up, and I think it is a when, that then loses even more of that. So it frees up a lot of space for the KC. They were close up to the cap, although there are still a number of cap casualties slash restructures to come. Looking at you, Colquitt, unfortunately, you're costing like $4.6 million. But um, yeah, I, I, I can imagine Jay Harris going to catch on somewhere else. He's not the world's most exciting player, but he is a pretty okay player time for our favourite part of every week crime and punishment who's been being bowled who's been being bowled Harry well everyone as usual Uh, half a fucking draft prospect yes we aren't covering the draft prospect ones entirely a lot of that is very fresh and we're still trying to keep up with it a lot of it's coming out in like today and and last night we've got a little bit of it in here but not a huge amount Uh, so suppose we'll start off the Mazungus or as we've now realised the uh, Wazungus uh, no that's the end it's Wazungu Wazungu. Wazungu. Oh, sorry, Wazungu, uh, which is the plural of Mazungu. Junior Gallet's been arrested on disorderly conduct charges. Uh, Cyrus Kuangio uh, has been brought to hospital after police found him after a type of breakdown where he started asking the policeman to shoot him. The prospect, Reuben Foster, has failed a drug test, brain hydration. The, a lot of these failed drug tests are what they call dilute drug tests, which is that they have too much water in their urine, which could be being used to mask... Um, drugs in there for the testing but also could just be a fact of they're doing two or three days worth of intense physical workouts in front of people in pretty warm weather but you know whatever um, safety prospect Jabil Peppers fails a drug test due to dilution as well he blames cramps and hydration I think this is a recurring theme of these ones Caleb Brantley is arrested on misdemeanor battery apparently knocked out a woman during a public altercation Gary and Connolly has been accused of rape uh, they're very aggressively denying these accusations and saying that it's it's kind of a money grab at the last minute but uh, it's far too early for some things this is literally reported in the last couple of hours we'll see because the junior Gillette thing will probably have a knock-on effect to to potential NFL proceedings to to them looking at him but uh, like the things like the, the the chap from Buffalo I'd imagine that that might not have necessarily punitive repercussions and stuff so yeah, like we'll we'll discuss more of these over the over the rest of the off season. But uh, like I said, not not too many felonies this time. That's why we didn't get the sing song. Uh, all the little bits schedule's been released. We're kicking off with Casey at New England. Some people happy, some people unhappy. I'm happy with this one. Mostly because I get to see the Chiefs a bit earlier. Not happy that we're traveling to New England <laughs> to open the thing. But hey, what's it? 
Uh, Tampa Bay are starring in Hard Knocks. That should be interesting, if nothing else. We've got uh, Amazon streaming one of the Thursday Night Football games in 2017. Uh, Dean Blandino leaves as head of officiating. Uh, I believe he's looking at some television work. And then we've had a couple of retirements. Jake Long has retired. James Laurinaitis has retired. Stephen Tullock has retired. And our thoughts go out to uh, Todd Heap, a former tight end, who's had a terrible situation at home where he has uh, been involved in this uh, motor accident in his driveway where his child was killed. So yeah, uh, terrible news from him and uh, and all the best to, to him and his family and hopefully they're they're feeling a bit better. Do you know what time it is, boys? God, it's time to look at the draft. It's time to be horrendously wrong and everything. Ooh. This is how's that different from normal? We well, the thing is, we can bluff. <laughs> we can bluff better about teams we know. <laughs> we know fuck all about these boys. None of us even watch college football. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of most of these universities. <laughs> These things are definitely on maps somewhere. Connecticut, pretty good at women's basketball. There we go. So I suppose, guys, time to move on to our mock draft for 2017. So, here we go. What we're going to do is, we've all done a mock draft. Uh, I didn't get the memo and I put two trades into my one by mistake. (laughs) But hey, fuck it. Uh, We'll be fine. We'll kick off, I suppose, uh, at the top of the draft. And we will say, the Browns are now on the clock. Oh, am I the Browns? According to this sheet, I am the Browns. I feel like I'm really embodying the Cleveland Browns here. But I mean, like, what? I'm the Cleveland Browns. Uh, oh, Cleveland Browns missed the first overall pick <laughs> because they forget to get the pick oh in on God, time. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Me. Yeah, Harry, we'll go to you. Yeah, who's, well, look, I think this, the pick? This, this is a no-brainer. Uh, Miles Garrett is the best player in the draft. We, 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 all, we all agree on uh, on this one. And like, look, the difference maker he can be for that team particularly a team that is struggling and needs a lift. And getting this kind of leader on the defense who can give hope, I think, to that city and give hope to that team is going to be a huge thing. Getting a talent that they can then build around going forward. They're kind of hoping he'll be, you know, that kind of J.J. Watt figure for them, just more pleasant because he seems to be actually, like, incited by, like, dinosaurs and poetry rather than rapping badly. But, like, this is a phenomenal talent. This is a guy has the potential to be a generational talent he pans out the way he's looking so I think it's an absolute no-brainer for Cleveland mm. to take uh, Garrett number my, one overall my, my only concern with it is just the Browns getting into their own head and fucking this up and I hope I hope they're not that stupid and I don't think they are but there's always a chance with Sashi. there's always a chance with Sashi he's going to fuck this up Garrett Texas A&M next up are the 49ers uh, well we're going to have a discussion but I'll say we'll go uh, Fitz it's you for the 49ers yeah so for the 49ers bring bring <laughs> bring bring <laughs> Hi, it's the Panthers. I want your pick. <laughs> I completely forgot who the GM for the Panthers is. <laughs> is it another television job? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I think honestly, I think from literally from this point onwards, I diverge from the rest of the group. So we'll just have a discussion. So you've got the 49ers here. Who do you have them taking? I am taking the safety Malik Cooker. Of all the picks in the draft, I think this is one of the most uncertain. I think that's reflected in the. Kind of diverging realities that uh, we kind of see uh, the mock draftosphere. The San Francisco 49ers they brought in a defensive coordinator who's kind of from the Seahawks branch or, or kind of from the, the Pete Carroll branch of defensive philosophy. And Malik Hooker is seen as one of those uh, prospects who could be the basis of being the free safety, taking what is generally now might be considered the Earl Thomas role. I don't think he's a perfect comp to. Um, Earl Thomas, I don't think he's quite got the same kind of complete physicality or the kind of same kind of speed demon ways. In, in many ways, he's much more like Ed Reed. He's a ball hawk. He's someone with great instincts and great ability to like 
diagnose the play and interfere with the play. And once he's in the play, he has great hands and he's a great ability to take any ball and make make a major play out of it. So I think when you're looking at this type of player, this is the kind of one who wins not just not via primarily through his physicality, but through his football intelligence and through his ability to be a playmaker. He's a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. He's the kind of one that for a poor team like the 49ers could would be the kind of player who will get you big plays the kind of thing to get the fan base excited throughout a season that probably won't be that exciting overall uh, with Brian Hoyer in the quarterback room so I think that's the type of player that, they should, that they'll go for in this case but I think you know this is very uncertain I don't think anyone really knows what the 49ers are going to do but uh, we'll take a we'll take a punt at hooker in this mock draft I know what they're going to do I, I do love I gotta say I do love it when a, when a hooker hawks my balls <laughs> <laughs> oh my we're going to save that and use that to blackmail you when the greens are in power <laughs> <laughs> greens in power I know I thought you'd like that one <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what 49ers are going to do. They're going to realise that their entire roster is dog shit and they're going to trade down with the Panthers. I have the Panthers trading all the way up here and taking uh, Leonard Fournette, the running back out of LSU, setting themselves up to protect Cam Newton, to give a proper running game again and to really just start pounding that ball hard. So it's going to be great. Uh, But like I said, this is where we start to diverge massively. Uh, Next up is the Bears. I think two of us agree on the pick here. Uh, Harry is the odd man out on this one. I have them taking the cornerback Lattimore out of Ohio State. Uh, I think big kind of potential to be a proper shutdown corner. This is going to be them remembering what it was like to have a good defense back in the day. They've got a defensive-minded coach sitting in there who can probably get the most out of this player. Uh, it's a massive area of need for them, and it's it just makes a huge amount of sense for them to be picking up here. Uh, Harry, you've got them taking uh, Allen from Alabama. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, this is and this is a tough one. Allen's a very hard guy to, to, to place in the draft because he's phenomenally talented. The position he plays in doesn't tend to be uh, that highly valued. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult to know he could go anywhere in the top 10, really. But uh, the reason I haven't gone to the Bears, I think this is a team that has historically been built around its defense, has struggled on that side of the ball recently, has had some signs of life uh, on that defensive line uh, with uh, Pernell McPhee over, over the last season or two. And we're looking to put another extremely athletic, extremely talented body in there to try and cause disruption through the middle of the line, which is something they've consistently really struggled to do. I, I understand the Lattimore pick. I, don't, I wouldn't disagree with it if they went with it. But I think the way they're playing, they can have the best corners in the world. They need to be able to create pressure up front. Mm-hmm. They need to be a team that people don't like to play anymore. They need to basically rediscover that history. Because that kind of, the kind of thing that will re-energize the fan base. Going back to that style of football that they're remembered for mm-hmm. is the sort of thing they're, they're going to want to do. So I would, if I was the Bears, I would, I would take Allen here. Go for that disruption. Go for that sort of build, bring hard nosed football back to Chicago. Not to make I might Dick's erection is going through the roof somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I just think he's too talented to pass off at this point, and I think you, you you take that option if you're the Bears. No, of course, of course. Uh, I've got I've got him going in the next pick to the Jaguars. Similar reason, just that idea of he can be disruptive. They've got a lot of defensive pieces. I think he can mix well in the rotation. Let's be honest, the Jaguars are not going to be an offensive team. I agree with the pick that you two have taken here, with the exception that I have the Panthers moving up to take him two spots before. Beforehand. Both you and Ronan have taken it as being uh, Fournette from LSU. We, I think we talked about him in, in the pre-draft pod. This guy's a wrecking ball. He's incredibly strong. He's incredibly quick. Um, the Jacksonville need to take the pressure off Blake Bortles because he's not very good. Um, they struggled to get production out of Chris Ivory. They struggled to get production out of um, Yeldon. They've struggled carrying the ball on the goal line. If you've got a big, powerful guy who can find holes, find creases, and hit them really, really hard... 
They can completely change how they play. They can take pressure off their struggling quarterback and basically, hopefully through that, help him build his confidence back up and make him basically make him try to do less. And you've got a guy like this who you can then build the offense around, who you can restructure the offense around, who you can rely on to pound the rock and wear down offenses. I think it's a no-brainer for Jacksonville to take him in this situation. Obviously, unless he's already off the board. As yeah, you, no, as of course, suggested. of course. For the next pick, the Titans, where we start to see our massive divergence. All three of us have taken different players, two of which are already off the board slash discussed, which are Ronan, you have them taking Allen, the defensive tackle from Alabama. Harry, you have them taking Lattimore, and I have them taking the tight end Howard out of, Al- out of Alabama as well. I just, oh, I love the idea that they're going to take a tight end at number five. But uh, Fitz, why are you having them taking Alan. Yeah, like I think the Titans, one of their issues was kind of up front. Their run defense was a bit suspect all of last season. I think John Allen uh, is not not only is a good prospect along the line, but he's also a good pass rusher. You can never have enough good pass rushers. I suppose it's a cliche, uh, so that's good. I think you guys have covered most of what it is, but I think you know both of you guys have him higher than fifth. I think the Titans would be more than happy to take the best player available. Uh, Howard is kind of the same. Uh, ball has in terms of uh, of its value but I think the defense is where the Titans want to get better next season because I think they have their offensive identity it's that defense they want to strengthen up and make it to a really fearsome unit uh, and shut down uh, the big offensive powerhouses uh, primarily the Colts in their division for example yeah, that'll be interesting. Like I said, I, ca- I called it a month ago. I'm going to stick to it. Tight end being taken in the top five. He's going to be taken above all the wide receivers. Uh, Howard, Howard's my pick to them as well. Uh, next up, we've got the Jets. You two agree. This is what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm a way off base during this part. You guys agree <laughs> on like five or six things in a row here. Uh, you both have uh, the defensive end, Thomas, from Stanford going to the Jets. Uh, I have the safety, uh, Allen, from, uh, from LSU going here. Basic rationale for this. They're in dire need uh, in the defensive back type of position. They need a leader down there now that they've kind of lost Revis. Uh, like, they need a quarterback, and I was tempted to put a quarterback in here, but I don't think that there's any that they want to draft that highly. They've drafted quarterbacks in every every draft in the first round or two for the last, like, seven years or something, so they haven't had much success in it. And there's enough in this draft that I think there'll be stuff sitting in the second round especially where they're picking so strong tough leadership on the defense coming from the safety position is something that they would like to get at and I think that's why they're going to take Adams here at this spot uh, next up we have the oh wow look at this we've got yeah. the Chargers you guys both have Adams going to the Chargers and I've got Malik Hooker going we're at least in agreement on the Chargers about where they're looking to pick but I suppose uh, Harry tell us why you have them taking uh, Adams yeah like I think I think you've summed all the reasons why Adams is a sort after player I think you know if, if Hooker was here I think you would take him but obviously both of us have him have him going yeah. much earlier for the Chargers it's interesting one like we know they have uh, decent pieces on the offense they've got a good pass rush now uh, they have decent you know decent linebackers got good cornerback safety is is an issue for them and this I think is sort of the fight for them I think they'll see this as the final puzzle piece mm. on making their defense not just tough but actually really good um, I think you sort of outlined a lot of uh, the positives that Adams can bring into that and into the field of play uh, for the Jets I think he could do the same thing for the Chargers but I think he would do that as well with more talented pieces around him with more talent at corner it makes sense for the Chargers to patch basically what they I think perceive as the last hole on their defense and uh, next up we have well for two of you you have the Panthers I have the 49ers <laughs> you both have uh, Christian McCafferty from Stafford going there I have the 49ers coming all the way down and then to Taking Thomas at that spot. So I suppose Fitz, do you want to tell us about why Carolina are picking this? We, I think we're on similar rationale given that I had them trading up to get what I think we all consider to be the slightly better running back in this scenario. 
yeah, like I think Jonathan Stewart, he's hit 30, he's had his injury concerns in the past, and this is a run-first team. Obviously, its identity it emerges from that, from Cam Newton being such a, an offensive weapon on the ground. And I think there's definitely indications that they're trying to protect him a little bit. So I think, you know, there, there, there may be some people who might go for Joe Mixon be better, but obviously his own concerns, and maybe the occasional people who may even have Dalvin Cook over McCaffrey. But I think if you were to take the average expectation, I think, uh, Christian McCaffrey is the highest rated running back after Leonard Fournette and I think that comes around from the fact that he's just such an explosive playmaker there's some concerns over whether he could be an in-between the tackles guy but with Jonathan Stewart there I think he even in the short term he'll be an amazing complimentary piece to that ground and pound and could really open up the entire playbook for the rest of that team I think the Panthers, they had a disappointing season uh, last season. I think that was due partially to the fact that their offense had become a bit predictable. I think getting someone like McCaffrey could really mix things up and push them back up to being an offensive juggernaut again. Uh, so for me, I think McCaffrey makes complete sense here. Like if I don't, I definitely don't disagree with trading up for Fournette, but I think if, if they want to stick there and save their draft capital, then McCaffrey is the pick for me. Oh yeah, the big, the big plus with McCaffrey as well uh, is that like you can honestly, you could probably spend about eight to ten snaps during the game, just putting him in as a slot receiver. Like he's as good a receiver as he is as he as he is a back, so he's a very versatile piece for them. I just but, like that he's sort of a sort of a, you know blue collar gym rat, real scrappy lunch pal <laughs> kind of guy. You know. <laughs> Next up, we've got the Bengals. Uh, you two guys are in uh, are in consensus here that it is uh, Barnett from Tennessee that's going there, the the defensive end. I have them going with uh, the linebacker Foster out of Alabama. Simple rationale for this for me is that it's a massive need for them. Like the two main needs I see sitting on that team are linebacker and wide receiver because they need someone to sit across away from AJ Green. I don't think that they love Williams as much because he has a similar physicality to him that they might want a slightly different change of pace. And this is, in my head anyway, too early to go for any of the speedy wide receivers out there. In fact, I don't think I have that speedy wide receiver going in my entire first round. Mm. Uh, I think linebacker's a big need. Foster is the kind of guy who can step in, play from day one, and can provide them with a... with a good bit of impact coming from that position. They're sitting in the spot. I think potentially they'll look to trade down, but I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of people pushing for getting into the 9-10 spot here. So that's why I'm leaving them. And Bengals have a history of taking troubled players and, and turning good things out of them, uh, except when it matters in the playoffs. <laughs> so I think Foster kind of fits that mold as well. Yeah, no, of course. And uh, Next up we have the Bills. We've got myself and Harry in agreement on this one. We have them taking Williams, uh, the pick afterwards, because obviously I think we both think wide receiver is a monster need. I believe in my notes for my pick on this one, I just said uh, Sammy Watkins, Corey Brown, Andre Holmes. Really? The hope here is that it's, it's you know Sammy Watkins to electric boogaloo without the constant injuries. <laughs> Williams has looked like he's probably the top uh, wide out in this draft. Buffalo have struggled to have wide receivers, and I mean struggled to just have yeah. wide receivers <laughs> existing over the last few seasons. This gives them quick big body guy opposite who can play opposite of uh, of Sammy Watkins who can fill in that number one role ideally when Watkins if Watkins is injured like the idea is I think by having both of them on the field you've got two targets that your quarterback really can't miss yeah I think they know they have defensive pieces they just need to fix the scheme they just need to fix the the coaching they're working on doing that yeah so it's like let's fix an offense that really outside of uh well Sean McCoy doesn't have anything consistent going for it 
Yeah. Let's get some consistency in there. Let's multiply the threats. Of course. And uh, even Roland, who disagrees with us, is thinking the needs in the similar area. He's gone for the tight end Howard, so providing a bit of protection, but also providing a very good pass-catching move-the-sticks option there for them as well. And uh, Next up, we have the Saints. Uh, I've gone for Barnett, and you two have agreed that they're going to fix their cornerback. I suppose one person is going to fix their cornerback ro- woes, <laughs> but like, start to fix their cornerback woes with uh, Humphrey from Alabama, the cornerback. So I suppose, Fitz, do you want to tell us a bit about why you've picked him there yeah like I, I think this is mostly a need thing like when you look at the saints the defense has just been so bad for so long and a lot of it starts in that secondary so i think marlon humphrey he's seen as a, like a great like basically athletic prospect uh his like technique isn't a, a massively great but i think he has the instincts he has the talent and he has the build to be a top corner i'm not sure if the saints are the best team to give him that but, <laughs> you uh, think, think <laughs> when you look at the next set of, of cornerbacks uh, I don't I think there is a major drop off from him and Lattimore in terms of their ceiling so I think the Saints will plump for, for need here uh, rather perhaps the best player available yeah no of course um, next up we have the Browns next pick we seem to all be in in Agreement that what they're going to do here is fire on a quarterback. I've gone to Bitsky, Ronan's gone to Bitsky, and Harry has gone for Watson in this spot. Um, so I'm looking at just kind of going, well, I, if I was on my trade down and probably look at getting quarterback a little bit later because there's a little patch here where they're probably not looking like... I think Trubitsky provides them with a lot of hope. Uh, he's definitely got a high upside to him, but I think he's got more of a more more of a potential floor underneath them than maybe some of the other prospects do but Cleveland you know they like to shoot for the moon uh, <laughs> they like to have high hopes I just think he's prototypical looking quarterback will fit what they want to do I think and honestly they I, you could flick a coin between what do the Browns want to do don't know <laughs> that's what I thought I think they want a quarterback in but I don't think they necessarily want to even start a quarterback I think they'd be happy to, 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 to not, not, not just not start <laughs> a quarterback wildcat wildcat all the way <laughs> uh, just swap that change to cook uh, <laughs> They're going to fire here. I could see them going Watson or Trubisky. I just have a feeling it's going to be Trubisky. I'd love to see them not fire on a quarterback here and just go like, we're just going to dedicate to building with other pieces, like add in some more defensive pieces or something like that. Or maybe even, I'm not sure if I'd buy it, but maybe even start on the line or something. But like, this is something that I think they're just going to do at this point. Like, do you want to say anything about Watson? No, I think we'll probably end up covering him later, but I, I just think Watson has the higher ceiling than Trubisky. I think he's probably a little more ready. The Trubisco and neither of them are really what you'd call fully ready at this point. And I also think it's, it is, like you said, I think it's more in keeping with what Cleveland want to do to go with the higher upside guys who might pay off. That's why I'd give the edge to Watson, but I can see, I can definitely see either of them going here. No, of course. Next up, we've got the Cardinals. I've taken Davis going here from Michigan. Uh, Harry has taken Trubisky, and Ronan seems to agree with me on the need for 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 a wide receiver here, and he's gone with Ross. So, uh, why have you gone for Trubisky here? Is this an heir apparent situation? Yeah, I really, I really think so. I think we've seen um, that it looks like uh, their quarterback situation is not great. Uh, Palmer Pierce passes best. Beyond mm. that, they have proven failures. To be honest with you, at this yeah. point, not just proven mediocrity. Guys who've shown that they catch. Remember Ryan Lindley hype? That was weird. This is, again, about building for the future. The team needs to, at some point, accept that Palmer is on the downside and is, again, looking like he can't really stay healthy for a whole season. So it's like, yeah, get somebody who can, at this point, who will be, obviously, because I think Watson is gone, will be the best quarterback available to them. 
and, and say, look, let's let's see if we can slot this guy in. Let's see mm. if we can build him up to be, like you say, the heir apparent in a season or two's time, or even towards the yeah. back end of this season. You see, now my my, my, my my consideration here would be one. I, th- I think I'm with you, but I think I've heard that they've that they've got their eye on a quarterback maybe in the second or third round. One or two guys' names have been mentioned, but also I think they're looking at it, and especially Bruce Arians and the likes are looking at it, going, "This is our last year with Palmer. This is our last year with Larry Fitz. We're going to make a run at it, and they want to throw a weapon in there. Someone like a Davis or maybe even a, a Ross, but I think Davis fits the product a little bit more for the being the heir apparent than to take over Larry Fitz's role further on down the line. Because if they're not intending to play the quarterback this season, then they could pick him in the second, sit him for the year, but have a more game-ready wide receiver to add them as a weapon. We have, uh, next up is the Eagles. I've got uh, the cornerback Humphreys, who we discussed earlier, going there. Harry has the cornerback White from LSU going, and Ron has the cornerback King going. So I think, one, this is probably a reflection on where we've picked these drafts to happen, because... Humphreys is gone already for both of you guys. Uh, this is the first time we've come across White and King, who I believe I just spoke about on the last uh, podcast. So, uh, Ronan, why did you take King? Kind of best player available at this point again. King, like I think he's a physical freak, basically a giant. And there's some concerns over his technique and stuff like that, but I think a good coaching staff can, can kind of feel it to do something. And I, I think like coming out of the Kansas City Andy Reid uh, system there in Eagles, they like their physical corners. They like them to be able to, to do things on the line of scrimmage. I think someone with the physical dimensions of King will be tempting to a team like the Eagles. I think, once again, it, 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 like they definitely need to improve the secondary. And this is the type of player who isn't perhaps in the elite set of the Hookers or the Adams or the Humphreys. But I think if you're talking about that next level in the secondary talent, I think Kevin King is probably one of most intriguing prospects uh, but I think you know reflecting the disagreement we have here you, there really is a lot of choices you could make once you be, move beyond that like top strata of secondary talent yeah no of course and I suppose there's also the flexibility as we said previously he's played all the way across the defensive backfield so if, if, if injuries happen he can move around as well Next up is the Colts. I've got them taking Hassan Reddick from Temple. So does Harry. And Fitz has got uh, McKinley from UCLA going down there. I think we're all kind of in agreement that they need to do something about this defensive front. They've lost a lot of pieces. And while they've done well so far this offseason, bringing in a couple of veterans and some faces to try and fill in, Hassan Reddick is just, he just makes a huge amount of sense. High motor, very good player. To be honest, if it wasn't for how good this defensive draft is, I think he would have probably be going a lot higher in other years as well. This is a player who will be an impact player from day one. He's the type of player that they need because he can be rangy. And we've heard good things as well about his uh, leadership on the field too. I also think I heard something about him being a Star Wars fan, which is, a, which is always a plus. They need to go defense and I've got... Reddick as being the next best available piece for them and I think that's where they're going to go with that pick next up we've got the Ravens Uh, we've got a wide variety here which is probably indicative of how that Ravens roster is looking they're missing a lot of pieces a lot a lot of areas Uh, I've gone for them to start the offensive tackle movement uh, with Robinson Uh, Harry has gone with uh, McKinley from UCLA and uh, Ronan has gone for uh, the wide receiver Williams from uh, Clemson. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about your pick here, Harry? Yeah, this was a hard one to pick, and I think it's reflected in that because this is a Ravens that has a lot of talent, but also is very, very ropey in some areas. And um, for me, I think in a lot, to a large extent, this was a, a sort of a BPA pick, saying or who is the best player at this stage in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, on my list, it was it was uh, McKinley. I think for 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 Baltimore, you know, particularly up front, 
they've had inconsistency. They've had a lot of sort of rotation up there. They've got players who are aging in the in the uh, in sort of the, the front line of that defense, and they'll be looking to get a guy who can come in and disrupt and get to the passer off the edge. That he can probably be a day one starter, and you'd hope that he can sort of develop moving on for them. More, you know, this is a pick I could I could easily see them trading out of if they don't like their options because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different holes they could patch and they could decide very easily to trade down this pick and try and accumulate two or three later ones to try yeah. and patch some of the some of the issues they're having pretty much across the team. I think part of the reason for this as well, seeing guys on the D-line like Timmy Jernigan leave, um, seeing uh, Orr retire in the offseason from the linebacking core, mm-hmm. just pushes the front seven slightly higher up the consideration for me than it would have might have been otherwise. Well, I think that's, that, that was exactly my thinking as well with the offensive tackle move of they, they, they've, they've lost people on that line and they're concerned about Flacco's uh, health moving forward and similar I presume for Ronan with wide receivers they need to they need to start to restock those shelves this is a team with a lot of needs and I think they will be PPA but I think you're right if they can convince someone to, to, to start a trade here they would happily take it and take a few pieces a little bit further down as they have a lot to fill and uh, next up we've got now I you see I know this is technically correct that it's that it's the Wazungu but I much prefer them to just do it wrong and just call it the Mazungus. Like, I think I think ah, oh, we'll see, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll put a poll out or something. <laughs> Next up is Washington. So I've gone with uh, Peppers, the safety from Michigan. Uh, Harry's gone with King, the cornerback from Washington, and uh, Fitz has gone with uh, Foster, the linebacker from Alabama. I think we're all kind of in agreement they need to fix a bit of this defense at this point. Um, I've just gone with Peppers, just. We saw what their what their back half looked like. They're spending a huge amount of money on Josh Norman at the moment. They can't afford to spend large amounts of money to build the rest of that section. So they need to get good, high-quality, starting-level players on cheap contracts for the four to five years that uh, that Norman is being paid huge bucks. That's why I think they're going to focus on that element of it. But I do buy the argument that they might look at linebacker, they might look at cornerback to put someone on the other side. Rangy player, there's some question marks now going into the draft over him. I don't think he's going to fall as far as a lot of people think. And I think Mizugus, if there is ever an entity who will take a problematic player and make their lives significantly worse, <laughs> uh, it's this organisation. I'm sorry, Mr. Peppers. Uh, this is where it starts and ends for you. You will, you will win a Defensive Rookie of the Year award and then you will be the starting quarterback on the scout team in your third year. <laughs> Next up, we got the Titans. I've got the quarterback King going there. Uh, Harry has wide receiver Ross from Washington. And Ronan has wide receiver Davis from Michigan. So, I suppose, tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, like, uh, I think we already discussed. Like, I'll talk about Ross because I had him going to Cardinals. I think Davis, you're kind of right. I think both of these are kind of speed prospects. I think Corey Davis is a bit more complete, a bit more uh, got the physical dimensions of a man, for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> Well, what has Ross got the physical dimensions of a buffalo? Like, what? <laughs> but basically, he's more of your prototypical wide receiver uh, there. So I went from here. But obviously, I mocked Ross to the Cardinals earlier, personally. And obviously, when we're talking about Ross, you're talking about a speed demon. Obviously, everyone knows that he, he beat the 40 all-time record. No matter what team gets either of these, I think they're getting a playmaker. So I think when you're looking at teams like the Cardinals and the Titans, they're teams who like to make big plays. Like they have two quarterbacks who can push the, uh, the ball downfield. So I think, you know, you could swap them either way. And we have in this particular mock draft between me and Connor. And I think you're going to be happy either way. I think these are both two top wide receiver prospects. Uh, and I think they're slightly different from the Williams pick. Uh, that, that he was a bit more of a physical receiver. But if you're looking for that X factor, then you can't really go wrong with either of these guys. 
Yeah, no, of course. Next up is the Buccaneers. Uh, I've got the running back McCaffrey going there. I have him lasting a lot longer. You both have the offensive tackle Robinson uh, going down here, who I believe I've already got off my board uh, going to the Ravens earlier on. So, do you want to tell us a bit about this, uh, Harry? Why have you taken the OT? For the Bucs, they've had a consistent problem protecting Jameis Winston. They've had less success than the Tallahassee Police Department of protecting Jameis Winston, to be completely <laughs> <laughs> honest with you. Um, but like this guy, I, I was quite close between Robinson and, and Ramchick, but I think Robinson is overall the better prospect. He's tremendously physical, he's tremendously strong. He seems to have reasonably good technique, which is increasingly rare in uh, linemen coming out of college. Obviously, he's not quite all the way there, but he looks relatively polished for, for a college lineman. And this has been a consistent issue. Like, Jameis Winston, we saw running for his life so many times during last season, and we saw him struggling to deal with edge rushes and struggling to keep guys off him and struggling to give him perhaps the time he needs sometimes uh, to let plays develop and make things happen. And Robinson, I think they're getting an anchor who can protect the blind side, who can basically allow that offense to function a lot more smoothly, provide stability that hasn't really been there over the last season on that O-line for the Bucks, so they've been chopping and changing a lot of different pieces. So I think this is just a really sort of solid pick for them to make, and yeah. I think it's just a good landing spot as well for um, for Robinson. This is a young team that seems to be uh, after coming out of uh, some some wilderness years, shall we say, seems to be now trending in the right direction. Yeah, look, I think as well, like in 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 your mocks, I think McCafferty's gone quite a while back up to the Panthers, and I've already got the the offense tackle on. I think, but my, my my thing is basically there's been problems with uh, with Muscle Hamster in the off season. Don't know what's happening there. They need a run game to try and take some of the pressure off. So you're using an offensive tackle to take the pressure off. I give the ball to someone else and let them get hit for a change. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the uh, the Broncos. We seem to be in. Relative agreement here of uh, I've got Rams, uh, Ramchek, you've got Ramchek, Harry, and Fitz, you've taken Bulls, the offensive tackle out of Utah. So we're all agreeing that their line is shite. So tell, yeah. us, tell us a bit about this, Fitz. I think I agree. Like If you were to look at this in a general sense, top five prospects offensive tackle, I think Ramchek would probably come like a little bit above Bulls. But the Broncos, uh, with the coaching staff decisions that they made, were going for continuity, and Gary Kubiak... And Vance Joseph both come from the zone blocking scheme philosophy and what you need in your offensive tackle running the run blocking scheme is less kind of these kind of big physical guys but are athletes people who can move about who have good feet and who are able to if you're looking at for the prototype of a ZBS uh, offensive tackle Garrett Bowles is a lot closer to the prototype than Ramjik so next up we've got the Lions uh, I've got uh, the defensive end McKinley from UCLA coming in here uh, Harry's got Taco Charlton and you've got Hassan Raddick uh, going out there now obviously uh, McKinley is gone in most of the earlier drafts and in your consensus draft that you're tracking at the moment but um, I think I think we can all kind of agree with what we're looking at here that this is a team that needs to start rebuilding its defensive front seven. They've lost piece after piece over the last three or four years and they haven't been replacing them at any reasonable rate to try and keep themselves competitive. I was very tempted just for the sake of it to have them drafting some like third round level wide receiver just to keep historical focus uh, <laughs> on the team. A strong player, high motor, 
and I've said this about a lot of them, but I suppose this is this is the key with just how good this draft is. You're already down in the 20s, and you're like, this is still someone who can come in and start immediately for them, be disruptive for them, provide them with a bit of rush, a little bit of a little, little bit of pushback, and especially given the division that they're sitting in, they need to be able to provide that if they want to be able to compete. I think this is probably similar reasoning for 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 both the other picks that are sitting here for Taco and for Hassan Reddick, just being able to provide that bit of push and shove in the front seven to try and get. Some happening on defense like I said this is a team who I think at this point would like to trade back a little bit because there's a few guys here a couple of core a couple of linebackers a couple of defensive linemen and stuff that they could work with if they could just get down a little bit further especially if they could pick up some picks but I think they're going to be about one or two steps too early to start shifting down in the draft and uh, next up we've got the Texans uh, Dolphins no 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 on both of your drafts it's the Dolphins <laughs> but what's actually going to happen is the Dolphins are going to trade with the Texans the Texans are going to jump up because they're afraid of the Giants it's your pick so for the Dolphins the Dolphins will be selecting uh, Lamp yep. because they love Lamp for both of you. Ironically, I also have the Dolphins selecting Lamp, but selecting him in uh, four more turns. I have the Texans moving up and taking Watson. So, do you want to tell us why they're taking Lamp? Yeah, because their offensive line is a complete shit show. Um, this is a team that has struggled to deal with pressure up the gut consistently. It's a team that has struggled to protect Ryan Tannehill for more or less as long as Ryan Tannehill has been in the league. They've tried various different reclamation projects um, across the line, Brandon Albert being one of the more recent ones. It, it hasn't really worked. Now, they got Laramie Tunsil last year, and it, it did seem to work. Promising young guy who we can play at tackle, let's get a promising young guy we can get to play on the interior and try and rebuild the protection here. Mm. Try and get a guy who was on this thing about Lamp. Lamp is good in the run game. They've seen, we've seen last season in JHI that they have a very talented running back. Let's have a guy who can create a few more lanes for this guy, who can create that kind of space as well as protect the passer in an area that's been quite weak for them recently. So this, it felt a little weird putting a guard this high, all things considered, given how those players are valued. But looking at Miami, despite them being a team with a lot of sort of patchy areas, they're a team that went on a, a very good run towards the end of last season, showed they do have an awful lot of talent and an awful lot of upside. So it's like, let's get a piece that can protect the things that are going well for us and address what is probably still the biggest area of need on that team right now. Uh, no, I can I can definitely see it. And like I said, I've got them picking him up in, what, four more picks time. So uh, I, I agree with you entirely on the reasoning here. I have the Texans trading up to take the quarterback. Watson, my rationale being the Giants are probably looking at the potential of drafting a backup for Eli. They need an heir apparent. And if you need to sit them for a year or two years, now's the time to pick one. Uh, so I think the Texans are going to get worried about that and jump up given the shit show that's happened with them so far this offseason, having to pay to get rid of a quarterback that was on their roster and then not being able to get Tony Romo because he'd rather sit in a television studio than play for them. Next up, we have uh, the Giants. This is Fitz's pick. I've taken tight end Njoku from Miami. Uh, Harry, you've taken offensive tackle Bowles from Utah. And look at this. The Seahawks fan has decided to pick an offensive tackle again. It almost seems like he's had a problem with linemen and he's trying to focus in on linemen. Actual linemen. You know, research for your team has positive externalities, apparently. Um... But, yeah, like Ramjic, I think, you know, I already discussed this a little bit, but I think the Giants are probably a much better fit for him because I think the Giants uh, play a more kind of standard power game on their offensive line. How much you studied with the running backs that they tend to run is a, a different question. But in general, I think, like, Ramjic is probably considered the most polished overall offensive tackle coming in from this. I think some people might rate Lamp as a better uh, offensive lineman, but he's definitely a guard, and obviously tackles are a higher priority position. If a top offensive tackle 
balls to them at 23, I think they'll be very happy with that and they'll take it. There are rumours that they're not entirely like pushed on the on the class, but I think if an elite prospect comes down, they need to take it because right now their offensive line is just terrible. And you know, Eli Manning isn't getting any younger uh, and isn't getting any smarter. You need to protect him and you need to start creating the line which will perhaps protect the quarterback of the future of the New York Giants as well. Yeah, like I think I think we're all agreeing on what what they need. Of like, I've taken a tight end, but I've taken a tight end to give them an inline blocker and another option underneath because they've got two wide out. They want to get the ball out and they want to protect Manning for the moment. Look at this, lads! It's all the way down to twenty four when we get our second agreement of the mock draft. Next up is the Raiders, and across the board we have them taking the linebacker Davis coming out of Florida. Fairly simply, this is a team that is on the up, looking like a great entity, but they've got one person doing the job of their front seven at the moment. (laughs) They need to add in more pieces. This is a potential piece that will provide additional rush, provide support in a different section, but will give the other players the freedom to move between end and and, and outside linebacker, depending on how they want to run uh, different packages. He's got the mindset for them. There's been discussions about this guy going there since about two months ago, I think, at this point. It's all but a done deal unless someone takes him in advance, so it's definitely going to be the linebacker from Florida. This is the pick we're all going to get wrong. (laughs) Next up, we have the Dolphins. I mean, no... Next up, we have the Texans. The Texans are selecting for uh, for Harry. They're taking uh, Mahomes out of Texas Tech. For Fitz, they're taking Watson out of Clemson. And for me, they are the Dolphins, and they are taking Lamp because the Texans have already moved up to take Watson at this point. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about this, Harry? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if Watson was still hanging around at this point, I would expect the Texans to take him. I just don't think he will be hanging around yeah. at this point. So I think they go for the guy who is the next best um, quarterback in the draft in Mahomes, a guy who is rougher coming out of college than the than uh, Trubisky or Watson is, but is a guy who has a you know seems, looks like he has potential to settle in now. The problem is that the Texans might be looking for an immediate starter given their general situation here. Mm-hmm. But coming off <laughs> best of fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's a position where they'll probably look for somebody to start um, realistically, and I think Mahomes of the remaining quarterbacks gives them the best. Uh, potential of having a guy who will be up and ready soon enough. He's a reasonably good player, like, and he has some upside. So you'd hope they just don't ruin him immediately. But like, te- the Texans need a quarterback. The Texans need a quarterback, and all of this is because they didn't uh, didn't take Teddy fucking Bridgewater and traded Dan. Mm. Different story, completely different timeline. We'd be living in there, um, where Teddy still has both his legs. And uh, do you think in that the timeline in the playoffs? Do you think in that timeline the Browns would still have Brock Osweiler, but they'd be the ones who gave him the contract yeah. last year? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that, some things never change. Cleveland like transcend dimensions. There is no alternate universe in which the Cleveland Browns are a successful team. They but, are a singularity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is not what a singularity is. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> but no, I think it makes sense. Like Houston needs something here desperately. It's the thing that's been holding them back for forever, as, as you intimated earlier in the, in the podcast. And at this point, I think they're going to be willing to roll the dice on a guy who's not quite there, but has certainly more upside than Tom Savage would appear to have at this stage. Uh, next up, we have the uh, Seattle Seahawks. I've taken the cornerback um, a Woozle from Colorado. I'm definitely saying that wrong. Harry has taken Jackson, the cornerback from USC. Fitz, you've taken Melifonwu, the safety from Connecticut here. So uh, I think we're all in agreement that they're looking at that side of the ball. Uh, give us a bit of an explanation of your pick there, Ron. Yeah, like I think all of these are, are reasonable picks. I think at this point, the, the top cornerback candidates are probably gone. And like people like Trevarius White, if they're available, don't really fit it. I think King is moving far enough to get it. So like, why would it take Mel and Fonwu? Uh, like basically, 
one is kind of like a Seahawks fan kind of thing. He's been in the VMAC like three times already. They've had him in, like, basically, there's obviously a lot of interest there. Uh, and I think he's the candidate that they could potentially see. We could trade down a few places and probably still get him. So he's a very raw prospect, but what he has is absolutely uh, off the charts uh, measurements. He's like considered what is called like a three sigma candidate, three sigma above the average safety prospect, and those are the type of things that the Seahawks have been associated with in the past. There's like stuff called Spark Score and other type of things yeah. which have been associated with the Seahawks organization. So they really love their physically like like their physical freaks basically. Amelafonwu is a like a workout warrior, and he has shown those type of, of traits that the Seahawks will covet. And I think in the end, there's a lot of choices here. Like as I said, once you get beyond like say, the top four or five prospects in the secondary, they all start looking the same. So I think they may be tempted by the pure potential of a player like Melifonwu. They may also see him as a potential cornerback prospect that they can tra- like that they can train him up because the Seahawks uh, are notorious for changing people's position. Uh, like Deshaun Shed started out for a safety, for example, and became a very capable uh, cornerback la- in the last couple of seasons yeah no fair enough uh, next up we have the Chiefs I have them taking uh, Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech so does Fitz Ari you have them taking uh, the running back Cook from Florida State Base rationality is if, if Mahomes gets down this far I'm pretty certain that they're going to take him a uh, perfect candidate to sit behind Alex Smith for a year maybe two years and uh, learn the game and then take over from him as a much cheaper option I think if Mahomes isn't here they don't seem to be in love with many of the other prospects and they'll probably look somewhere else, maybe cornerback, maybe safety. It is it is very much the thing. Like even potentially looking at, 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 at what at linebacker if he's not here. Mahomes is big, he's got the arm, uh, not necessarily the accuracy. Uh, he needs a year to sit, which is what he'd get at least uh, well, at least until maybe week ten when a concussion happens and he comes in <laughs> for two games or something. Uh, I could I could see the cook move, but I don't think I'm not a fan of Cook as much as some of the other running backs because he is more of a third down back. He provides options in like the return game and stuff, but like that's not where we need a back. We need kind of we're looking for a replacement. If Mahomes is gone and if if one or two of the cornerback prospects I like are gone, I wouldn't be amazed to see them looking at someone like Mixon as a consideration here as well. In our draft anyway, we've got Mahomes still sitting here ready to go, so uh, so he's going to be the drafted for the quarterback of the future who will play roughly about five games uh, in his third season and then they'll be calling to have him replaced. Uh, <laughs> it's just how it goes. Next up to Cowboys. I've taken Taco Charlton. Harry's taken Melifonwu and Fitz has taken White from LSU. So tell us a little bit about this shout. Yeah, so uh, I think Ron's already sort of gone through why Melifonwu is, is an exciting prospect. And this is a Dallas team that's very depleted in the secondary um, lost a lot of players and free agency and so on uh, over the last while. And I think we'll be very, very intrigued by a guy who has the potential to be molded into into what you need him to be and get a guy, because Dallas haven't really had a that sort of field, patro- that sort of field patrolling safety that this guy looks like he might have the potential to turn into, uh, having that kind of rangy guy who can move across the defensive backfield. Part of the reason for this is that I just don't see there being any um, attractive option at cornerback right now and Melifon who seems like he has a higher upside than the remaining corners that we haven't already included in the draft I think Dallas would be crazy if they don't look to fix the defensive backfield in this draft because that's where so many problems for them are right now 
Um, and I think in Melifonu they'll say, look, this could be as a guy who has potentially a bona fide, bona fide star of the future, a guy we can build around, a guy we can start restocking a young secondary within a guy who can be an impact player, uh, even on a limited sort of snap count and sub packages from the start as he grows into the role. So um, for me, it just makes sense for Dallas to try and yet again restock in a depleted area of the team and look for a guy, a high upside pick. Next up, we have the Packers. I've gone for the cornerback Conley from Ohio State. And both of you guys have gone for the linebacker Watt out of Wisconsin. After Conley mysteriously fell off our boards uh, 10 minutes before the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this thing, I was going to change it and I was like, I can't really change it because I couldn't be arsed. If, 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 if I'm swapping them, then I'm probably giving them the safety Melawanu and then, like, finding... That was a brave attack. It's Melafonwu is his actual name, sorry. Uh, and uh, I, I just put some other cornerback in there. That would be the swap I'd make. Mm. But, like, this is the one I did during work today. I mean, definitely not during work hours. So tell us a bit about uh, what... Like, we were talking about, like, Dan Rooney there and certain teams having a certain attitude or association. I think the Packers are a team associated with that... Uh, for lack of a better term, gritty, sturdy people, basically. Um, and like Watt kind of fits what, what you're talking about is having white linebackers, right? Yeah, white linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically just talking uh, about Clay Matthews. To be honest. Yeah, so they had a massive need uh, at inside linebacker for a while now. And looking at the, like I think like Reddick uh, and, and Foster are probably better candidates there, but they're probably going to be gone at this stage. And I think like after that there's a fit, like there's a bit of a drop off but I think if you're looking for someone who can contribute to a good defense then what is that kind of player he's someone who t- who plays every play who's intelligent obviously comes from a great pedigree in terms of coming from the Watt uh, dare we say dynasty Therefore, we I dare think- not <laughs> one of them is a fullback they're not a fucking dynasty they're all the Gronkowski dynasty do you remember those guys <laughs> <laughs> of that Packers defense try to make it a bit tougher a bit more uh, you know make it a bit more blue collar and try to uh, make a bit of a bit, bit, bit more like just a bit more grit basically to that defense he has the potential as we discussed in the last podcast to be a bit more than that but I think if, at the very least he turned into a good inside linebacker who, who got rid of the need to play someone like Clay Matthews at inside linebacker that would be a major win for the defense yeah, I was just making the amendment there. So after the stuff about God, it'll be it'll be Melifonwu for me going to the Packers, uh, helping them out in that kind of safety position. And uh, yeah, well, we'll discuss the change at the bottom end as well. Uh, next up, we have the Steelers. Oh, I'm on the Steelers. This is going to be an interesting one as uh, as I've gone for a very out there pick for the Steelers on this one. Uh, so I've gone with Cook from Florida State. Harry's gone with Howard, the tight end from Alabama, and Fitz has gone with Joku, the tight end from Miami. Now, I've had both those tight ends gone on my draft board already. I have uh, Cook going here as an interesting option. <laughs> Though they've got one of the best running backs in the league at the moment, but they've made it very clear by only putting him on a one-year deal that they're not sure if they want to keep him long-term. They're going to want to be able to spell him so that he doesn't get as injured if they do decide they want to keep him. But also, he's had both injury problems and he's had... Uh, discipline related problems that have cost him game time so having someone there behind that would provide uh, a backup option a solid backup option that might be in some ways comparable could be good it'll also provide them with leverage coming into any negotiations if they want to have them afterwards as well you did there leverage (laughs) i can see the tight end argument here but they do have the player they picked up who was injured most of last season darius green who looked promising uh, post-injury but we'll see how that goes full time so i think 
a running back that will give them an option, provide them a bit of return game so Lev doesn't have to do that type of stuff as well. I could see this being a good fit, and if he's sitting down here at this point, I can see them going for this. Although, like I said, I think this will be a spot that they might try and trade out, because if he has made it to here, he'll probably be available upper section of the second as well. Um, next up, we have the Falcons. I've gone for Watt going to the Falcons. As we discussed, he's a good kind of speed linebacker. You have Harry and Joku going here. You've got back back to back tight ends. I do, yes. Fitz, you've gone with a guard, Feeney from Indiana, going here. So, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that pick there, Fitz? Yeah, like uh, I think it's best player. But, like they have a major need around the guard area due to one of their guards retiring uh, this off season. So I think, you know, I think there's definitely a drop-off from Lamp to Feeney. People are generally quite high on Feeney, and the only reason he's not really discussed more in terms of first-round prospects is the fact that he's a guard. But I think we saw last season that uh, teams are willing to take offensive linemen higher up because there's just such a paucity of quality players at those positions these days due to the way the college game has gone. So for me, that's why uh, Feeney would make sense here. Like, I think taking a tight end also makes sense. But like I think if they're not available or if someone who's really dropped down, like someone like Foster perhaps, I think they'll probably just go for a safe pick, go for Feeney and, and replace right like right replacement for retirement. And now I will say now with uh, with with the with the fi- with the final last second amendments that I've made to my list, we've actually got we've got a top and tail this draft with uh, with consensus picks. We have all selected the safety Baker out of Washington going to the Saints. Both of you had them taking a cornerback earlier on, so you're getting them to double down in the first round on their uh, on their defensive backfield. I've taken them taking Baker here, having them uh, having them gone uh, a little bit different further up the top, and had them picking uh, the the defensive end Barnett, providing them kind of help on two layers of their defense. So I think we're all in agreement that their defense needs a serious overhaul at this <laughs> Shocking, point. Right? Yeah, I know. Baker projects well, not. Like probably in, in in other years he'd probably be a little bit higher than the final pick of this, but like he seems like a good safety, someone who'll give them a bit of flexibility in the back, uh, can do a little bit of enforcing if needs be, but is a lot more kind of movement based, uh, can, can can provide a good bit of cover as well. So I think he can help them quite a bit. So yeah, so that's our first round. We have uh, everyone doing pretty nicely out of it. Come some serious disagreements, especially me, <laughs> <laughs> with some of how this is going to go. So, we'll see how this goes and just how wrong we are. Yeah, so that's like it. Like 4D chess, you know? That's it, that's it. Uh, I don't know how that would work. And dimensional hypercube. <laughs> I thought that was Fitz's line. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. So, uh, I, I'm not going to lie, lads. I have a feeling I'm not going to stay up and watch all this fucking draft. I'm going to probably just watch the highlights when I wake up, get up very early and just see who picked where and then be like, oh yeah, totally should have thought about this in an entirely different way than I did. Yeah, well, like, you know how it goes. What's the over under? I'm the only one who put in put in uh, any any trades, and even I think I put in far too few. Uh, how many trades do you think will happen in the first round? I think there could be three. I think there could be more. Is the thing? I think there might be like five or six. I think the quarterbacks are going to be. I think early on they'll be running around for like Fournette. I think it's the biggest chess piece. I think you're right there. But I think those quarterbacks are just going to start messing things up completely once you get beyond. Uh, pick four or so I think yeah I think it's it's one of those ones where somebody will crack and overdraft probably a quarterback and will start a run yeah. and starts a, a panic run and teams start trying to trade up thinking they're going to lose out on their on their option now the big ones I think that I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of trades but a lot of smallish trades of like people kind of moving for like three mm. or four places and a lot of them moving around three or four places to try and just make sure they get the guy they want because they're so 
unsure of who's going to be picking where. Yeah. Oh, so any other crack with yourselves, lads? Any plans for the next few days? Oh, I've got my day off tomorrow. I'm going to a, going to a barbecue on the uh, the weekend, so hoping the weather holds up. Although based on today, we're at fucking hailstones at the end of April. Yeah. Uh, Weather's going to be shite. Yeah. Who knows how that'll how that'll turn out? Mm. Yeah, there's a few bits because we get a we get a bank holiday here this weekend, so uh, we so I'll have to have a look and see what uh, what's happening. Uh, but no, it should be a good crack. What about yourself, Fitz? Any any crazy plans down in Cork? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, I have to go to Liverpool in a couple of weeks, but uh, other than that, nothing nothing too exciting coming up. Okay. For another wedding in a month or so. Sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll, geez, we'll yeah. talk about that at the draft podcast. Post draft podcast. Post draft podcast. We'll discuss our plans for the Cork wedding. <laughs> no, no live podcast, unfortunately. Oh, thank God. Yeah, no, we just don't have the have the energy or the giving a fuckness to do it. So <laughs> I still haven't listened to it. Oh, it's great! It's great. Just skip to like two and a half hours in when we're hammered and we don't know what we're talking about. It's like a normal podcast, except we're hammered. <laughs> so a normal podcast that season. We, were, we 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 drank a lot of beer that season. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. But I suppose, yeah, sure, look, that'll do it for now. It's a long enough out podcast. Hope you enjoy. Uh, you'll have to struggle to try and get this listened to before the thing actually happens. Best of luck to you. <laughs> I suppose it's probably going to be a few years you'll be listening to it just to go like, you guys are fucking morons. I suppose, I was going to say it'd be anticlimactic because you'll know we'll be wrong, but like, you'll know we'll be wrong even if you're listening to this on Wednesday. So <laughs> <laughs> Not a bother. But I suppose that's a uh, bye from myself, bye from Harry. Bye. Bye from Fitz. Bye. This has been All Four Quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll get back to you in probably about two or three weeks. <laughs>